When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan stayed unbeaten on Saturday night, shaking off a shaky first half to dominate Rutgers. We break down that win and a wild day in college football, plus look ahead to the start of basketball season coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Okay, guys, good to be with you here Monday morning, November 7th. Let's talk about that Michigan football game at Rutgers. Aaron, you were there in the press box at SHI Stadium. I don't know. Maybe I'm just juvenile. Every time the announcer would like say that, you just start hearing those letters and you're like, whoa, 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 where's he going with this? Uh, and I know Aaron from your Big Ten stadium rankings. Maybe you would say there is an extra letter at the end there missing from from that stadium name <laughs> you can you can uh you can fill us in a little bit more maybe maybe things have changed uh but yeah michigan ends up you know with a with a, just a, a blowout win but it didn't look like that for the first 30 minutes uh ruckers blocks a punt and returns it for a touchdown uh but i guess you know we can start with aaron since he was there but both of you guys was it more than that though that kind of led to ruckers having a, a lead at half michigan was really not not hitting on on other cylinders either no i mean Rutgers had a couple of big plays in the passing game and then they had that block punt and that was that was essentially it for the offense i think for michigan it's just yeah they kept shooting themselves in the foot uh on both sides of the ball and it was it was kind of you know we've seen this kind of play out before where they get off to a slow start in the first half and then kind of figure things out at halftime and go from there um but yeah it was it was a weird first half it, in a way. It kind of reminded me of a couple of years ago in 2020 and back Jim Harbaugh brought it up in his, his post-game press conference. He, he remember them going down 17, nothing uh, in the first half against Rutgers in 2020. And obviously he's torn back to win that one. That was the game where kind of Cade McNamara submitted himself as, as a starting quarterback. But um, this was a better team, a much better Michigan team than they had a couple of years ago. And I think you saw um, that kind of come to life early in the third quarter. And then it, it's crazy how quickly it went from Michigan potentially losing or, you know, uh, you know, potentially this being a close game at the very least into into a blowout so quickly. But the, yeah, the thing is, it shouldn't have never been seven to seven because at, before that punt, J.J. McCarthy had Andrew Anthony wide open for an easy touchdown on a, on a deep shot that would have made it 14 nothing, touching all the wind out of, out of Rutgers' sails and, and you're we're probably not having this discussion today. I mean, obviously it was an impressive first half, but I, I think Michigan had a chance there to really um, put Rutgers in a hole early. And given how the Rutgers' offensive struggles this year, there's no way that they're coming back from that and even making it that close of a game. So, I mean, yeah, the punt team coverage there was atrocious. I mean, my gosh, he could have tackled the uh, 
um, basically tackled Brad Robbins and, and, and scored himself. It was it was that wide open of a hole there. But um, yeah, I mean that 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 play should have never happened. If if, if Michigan continues to struggle on these deep balls, it's going to cost them uh, uh, against better teams. You want to talk deep balls? Then we can do it. It was an interesting game for Michigan to kind of pull out uh, a few more of those shots than they had in the past. But once again, still not really connecting on them. And I don't know. I was interested to hear what you guys think. I thought this one was maybe this game was more on the receivers. There was there there were some drops in this game, even on some passes that weren't all that deep. Uh, it always amazes me McCarthy's throws, even the ones that you you think are just into you know double coverage or or maybe not the the smartest throws. Or actually, when you, when you watch them, watch the replays in slow motion, you're actually like mm, that was that was there. He he got it through that window, and it was a catchable ball. Um, you know, I'm thinking of one in the in the end zone that Schoonmaker dropped, and uh, you know the the Anthony one Ryan just mentioned, and and there were others too. Cornelius Johnson had another drop, which he's had a lot this year. This he, he I mean, I think a lot of us, I know, I think I predicted him to lead the team in, in receiving this year because we just didn't really know what Ronnie Bell was going to do when coming back from ACL tear. But he's been very quiet. Uh, really hasn't been that deep threat that I think most people thought he would be. And, and yeah, like you said, I think you mentioned this in our team's chat last or on Saturday night, Andrew. Yeah, the, there's a bunch of receivers in that room that are high-profile recruits or were high-profile recruits. They, they seem to have a lot of talent. They were hyped up a lot during preseason, but they haven't been consistent at all. And I wrote this in my observations. Then you have a guy like Donovan Edwards coming out of the backfield who's almost running better routes and some of these receivers kind of more of a dynamic athlete than some of these receivers and he's been I mean I think his touchdown catch was one of the toughest of, of the game and he was able to make it so um sure enough like missions top two pass catchers right now have been kind of Luke Stumaker and, and Donovan Edwards recently and I know Rodney Bell leads the team but he's he's had a lot of drops this year as well and they were without Roman Wilson in this game yeah, yeah, Cornelius has been really unreliable this year. I mean, he's made some big plays, but he's also, like as you mentioned, dropped and just not showing up in others. And he's he's, he's had penalties levied, levied against him and everything else. Um, Saturday was more, in a way, Saturday just kind of reinforced all of my like narratives of this Michigan football team: strong run game, um, you know, unable to complete the deep ball, halftime adjustments with the defense. It was kind of more of the same of what we've seen all year long. I mean, there's really no new revelations to me. Um, Don Edwards continues to kind of come along. That's getting the second hundred yard rushing game in the last three games. Uh, his carry load is starting to pick up. So I think Michigan's starting to kind of utilize them a little bit more, um, which is probably a good thing because Blake Corm's carry load was getting so high. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was more of the same. Michigan was just a better team at the end of the day. They had better talent. And I think you finally saw that kind of, um, bear fruit there early in the third quarter when they, you know, they scored 21 points in a matter of a handful of minutes. So it was, and I was surprised at how how well Rutgers came out of the gate early. And they seemed like they were kind of throwing everything at Michigan, special teams, offensively, defensively. Um, you know, the Michigan players are very um, complimentary of, of Rutgers and their defensive scheme after the game. They they thought they they tackled really well. They flew around the field, and, and Blake Horn had a lot of good things to say. Um, so that they they thought that actually Rutgers' defense was solid. So um, a, a win is a win. Michigan will take it. It was obviously a a, a ended up being a lopsided one. Um, it was just fascinating to me to see how quickly that game went from just competitive to just a blowout. And I think it's kind of representative of what this Michigan team can do when they're clicking on all cylinders. You would just kind of like to see it for for four straight quarters, and we just haven't really seen it yet yet this year. 
I'm sure folks that bet on Michigan from, I mean, anywhere from 25 minus 25 and a half to minus 27 and a half were like, they're down at halftime. Oh, I lost that bet. <laughs> sure enough, they scored three touchdowns in like two minutes and then end up kind of making that crazy push in, in the second half. I'm sure it surprised a lot of folks. But um, just looking at J.J. McCarthy's numbers right here or right now over, over the season, it's almost kind of funny. Like there was so much debate this year about how like switching to J.J. McCarthy over Cade would just completely transform this offense. And I'm like, these numbers are reminding me a lot of Cade McNamara last year. I mean, obviously – uh, JJ still has the more rushing ability, but it's it's like he's kind of turned into that safe, reliable kind of game manager like type of player. Uh, and and Michigan's kind of just relied on that run game to to carry them now too. So it's like we talk so much about how he could change the dynamic of this offense, and sure enough, it's looking a lot like last year's. There's still be a couple games at the end of the schedule where he could he could maybe make that yeah. difference. So we'll see. What- you're not you're not wrong um i mean and, and listen i think for our listeners they might be however many minutes we're into this episode thinking we're, we're a little down uh, on, on michigan given what just happened so i think it is important to remember like one i think we are nitpicking a bit because of their their place in the college football world right now they're fighting for a playoff spot they, they believe they can be national champions at the end of the year so you know yeah you gotta you get you're held to maybe a higher standard and, and secondly would be so so the flip side of that though is they scored 52 points. They won by 35 points on the road in, in a Big Ten game. So, yeah, this was this was what they needed to do. It just it did it did take a little longer to get there. So, I mean, I'll put this one on a tee, but we, since we kind of dissected the first half, let's talk about the second half. Uh, Michigan now outscoring at slash four opponents, 100 to three in the second half. And they're just turning close games uh, often uh, into blowouts. Uh so I guess, you know, what, Aaron, what made Michigan so good in the second half on Saturday? Well, I mean, the big one was defensively. I, I think Rutgers, you said, had one first down the entire second half. It was, I think they had 658 yards total offense. They couldn't get anything going. And Michigan's, as we've seen, it seemed like week after week, Michigan's defense, um, you know, adjusts to the second half. They, they come out, um, you know, res- responding to whatever was done in the first, and it was, it was just a tale of two halves, as it, as I said, as it has it been the last couple of weeks. And then Michigan's offense, um, they were the score. They scored quickly. They got some help, obviously, from the defense. Those interceptions were key for Michael Barrett. Uh, you know, he wore the turnover buffs in the post-game news conference afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was uh they they kind of got everything they wanted in the second half. And it was it was a kind of a flip from the first, and, and that's what that was the difference. Um, you know, we we you you mentioned picking apart things, and I think you know up until Saturday we had been criticizing the red zone offense and Michigan's inability to maybe punch into the end zone. Um, they did that on Saturday. Now it, may, it took a little bit longer than maybe expected. They had a couple of fourth down runs, or they had to to uh, to get it in. But you know they 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 got the job done. Um, they still, as you guys said, they still don't really want to show much of the pass, which, which I think is fascinating. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, this. This Michigan team was just had more talent, better playmakers, and that's that was the difference there in the second half. It showed through. Michigan stopped making mistakes. Uh, they stopped settling for long field goals, and uh, you, you saw the score kind of balloon from there. And they were missing a, a lot of key pieces on on Saturday too. I mean, how surprised were you to find out that non travel list and, and how many guys were were going to be out? No, I mean, I think this kind of played out. A couple, if I remember, I have to go back and look, but I thought a couple of years ago, Rutgers they did the same thing. And I don't want to see Michigan treats Rutgers a little bit differently. 
But I think if you've got some guys banged up, this is probably your one opportunity to save them for for the, for the final stretch here. Um, after the game, Jim Harbaugh did make it sound like they're, they anticipate getting a lot of those guys back this week against Nebraska. Trente Jones, Ryan Hayes. Um, there was another one that I came to think of it. Oh, uh, Roman Wilson. So they didn't sound very serious injuries. Um, it, it's important to remember when team, when Michigan goes on the road, they're limited with their travel list and it's something like 74 or 78. So they can't bring the whole team. So guys that they are hesitant about playing or maybe for sure, know they're not playing. They just don't travel because they don't want to waste the, you know, the, the space, I guess, so to speak, uh, fill up a Jersey. So, um, it sounds like it was more preventative than anything. Um, it didn't, and not, none of those guys seemed long-term. Um, so I guess I wasn't shocked given the, the nature of the opponent and that's some disrespect to Rutgers, but I think Michigan, if you've got a guy, got some guys banged up and you want healthy for these final, you know, these three key games going on the stretch, including Ohio state, it's probably better to, to save them than to throw them out there. Uh, Jamon green was not, he, he did travel, but he didn't, he did not, he did not play. Is that correct? That is, yeah, that is correct. Um, I wasn't surprised. I, I did see him in uniform pregame, but again, we've seen this before where, a guy who's maybe on the verge of returning or they're hesitant about playing, they do let him warm up and then they and then they kind of age from there, whether how he's feeling, how he's looking, whatever the case may be. And, and that this also could have been kind of a show of of strength, saying, hey, you know, yes, he was the victim of the attack last week, but uh, you know, he's he's fine, he's doing well, and he's you know, he's with the team. So part of that could be that too. Um, I, I will note on that regard, Jade McBurrows did not travel with the team, he was also not in uniform. Um, that being said, contextually, he hasn't played much. I don't think he's played at all this year. So um, it's, it's not like he was expected to, to play or play a big role, certainly in Saturday's game. Right. Just 74 players, which sounds like a lot, but it's a lot less than they dress for home games, uh, dress for, for road games. Uh, but yeah, Green, I mean, that's a good sign if, after the reported concussion. The fact that he you know, just got on an airplane and, and was at least out there doing doing some things is good news for him. But yeah, that... And it allowed more Will Johnson, who, who was impressive mm-hmm. in his first career start as well. Yes, yes, he he got one of those interceptions. I mean, Aaron talked about that second half defense. Uh, this is this these were Rutgers drives in the second half. Three and out, uh, interception, interception. That's returned for a touchdown. Uh, they pick up one first down before punting. Uh, interception, three and out, three and out, three and out, and then a four and out. They they went for it on fourth there on the final drive and didn't get it. So I mean that that's just it doesn't really get much better than that for Michigan, and that's how you uh, end up with a fifty-two to seven victory uh on on a wild day and night in college football that really broke very well for michigan again we talked about how much football there is to play but given those initial college football rankings uh, they really couldn't have been worse for michigan as far as where they were slotted and where some other teams were uh but some of those games just took took care of themselves Uh, alabama goes down to lsu um uh What's the other one? I'm forgetting, of course. Clemson. Um, yeah. yeah, Clemson. Clemson loses to Notre Dame. Um, and then even the Georgia-Tennessee game, that was probably like a, a net zero, no matter how you, you looked at that, because, you know, they were both undefeated. But I think that it was a decisive victory one way or the other. And in this case for Georgia uh, was was helpful because I, I think now the loser of that game, in this case, Tennessee, maybe wouldn't get the benefit of the doubt down the line, uh, given that, you know, they were not super competitive in this game. So I don't know. It seemed like good day for Michigan overall. Yeah, very, very good day. I think they're certainly going to probably pop into the top four of the college football rankings this week. Uh, they were number three in, in both the AP and the uh, the coaches poll uh, on Sunday that was released. Uh, so, yeah, good news for them. Uh, but as we've talked about, you know, they've still got, I think, went out at this point. Uh, you don't want a chance, a lost Ohio State at the end of the year. 
Um, you, you don't know how the committee is going to react to that. Yes, it, you know they may still squeak in, but uh, you don't want to don't want to risk it. So either way, I think Michigan still needs one out. Uh, they still need to win decisively. Um, that win or that game against Illinois in a couple of weeks uh, that we thought maybe was going to be a speed bump and maybe it still will be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I think you saw, you saw, I think what Illinois really is on Saturday. Yes. They're, they're um, a good team. They can win, um, but they can also lose on any given week. And I think that bodes well for Michigan and kind of the depth they have and the talent they have and that that game is going to be in Ann Arbor. So uh, yeah, a little bit surprised with stunner with, with Illinois, but then if you go back again, their their other loss week one, which at the, up until Saturday had kind of chalked up to being week one, they lose to Indiana. So, and Illinois yeah. can clearly win or lose on, on any given Saturday. They can't play from behind like they did. I mean, they're just not built like that. So, yeah, the, you, if Michigan's up two scores after the first quarter of that game, then it's probably over. But we'll see how it all shakes out. I, I think that the playoff rankings have to reflect. Uh, your AP poll, Aaron. I don't know if it was your ballot exactly, but Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, and t- and uh, TCU four. That seems like a, what it should be uh, tomorrow night. I had Tennessee. I will say I had Tennessee four, TCU five. But okay. I, uh, I mean, I have no qualms with uh, that's fine with moving those. You know, alternating those teams. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, it still just seems disrespect disrespectful for TCU, but it's true. I don't know if it's because like I mean, we're mission reporters, so we follow more of the Michigan people on, on twitter but like i feel like there's a bunch of people like calling for michigan to be ahead of ohio state and uh in the next college football rankings i'm like people forget that ohio state played notre dame in the non-conference schedule michigan played three cupcakes i mean you still yeah ohio state struggled against northwestern but you got to take a little bit into account the, the weather there and and michigan didn't look great against Rutgers in the first half too so i think it's still pretty clear that ohio state's number two and michigan's number three at least in my opinion at this point it's all gonna work itself out on the end because they have to play each other but I was kind of surprised with how many people saying that that Michigan deserved to be number two. You you nailed it. I spent considerable time Sunday morning when I was filling up my AP ballot, kind of comparing Michigan and Ohio State just statistically and and the strength of schedule and everything else. And you hit it. I think Ohio State edged Michigan in in uh, you know a couple of the the offensive categories. And I thought they're again their non conference schedule was slightly better. Um, and then if you look at common opponents, Ohio State, uh, you know, thrashed Michigan State. They they did a good job. They beat. Uh, they ended up beating you know Penn State on the road. It was an impressive win. Uh, so they you know they crushed Iowa, crushed Iowa. So they had slight edge to me, um, but it's close. And I think it was reflected in the AP ballot. If you look at the uh, the total number of points awarded, I think it was very close. So that's kind of how I feel. There was some situation with Tennessee and TCU in my mind. Tennessee has an explosive offense. Their strength of schedule is pretty high, pretty solid. They've got some good wins. So to me, if you you know if you line up Tennessee and, and TCU head to head. Who are you going to take? I'm probably going to take Tennessee at this point. But again, I mean, there's there's still three or four weeks to play, so it's always subject to change. It's a fluid situation. I think people forget that. Um, if you keep winning, you're certainly going to help yourself. Yeah, it's a real tough call. I do my Big Ten power rankings every week, and I I did jump Michigan ahead of Ohio State recently. Um, but now, you know, the Notre Dame win over Clemson does change your perspective of that game a little bit. That could be enough to put Ohio State back. But it sure seems like those two and everybody else in the big 10, but I'd have no problem with Michigan, Michigan at two. I just, I think certainly those four and probably in that order is what the playoffs going to be. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty close in the polls too, as far as Michigan and, and Ohio state as well. Uh, Michigan, Ohio state's actually getting one, one vote. The only one that oh, Georgia's not, did not get for number one in the AP. And then on the coach's side, uh, 
uh, Michigan got the two votes that Georgia did not get for number one, uh, which is uh, interesting. Those ballots uh, are not public until the very end, though. So uh, it'll be we may never know who who voted for them. But uh, yeah, so I mean, a a good day overall for Michigan. And, uh, you know, later this week and, and, you know, throughout this week on MLive.com slash Wolverines, we will. Uh, look ahead to Michigan's game against Nebraska, not Illinois, Nebraska, which lost uh, for the third straight time on Saturday. Um, always seems capable of being right there for an upset, but um, hasn't hasn't really shown it the last, well, however long you want to go back. So, uh, yeah, and then as as we mentioned in the open, uh, basketball season starts tonight, Monday night. Uh, tomorrow night is election. Tomorrow is election day, which is why. If you're like, doesn't usually start on Tuesday, um, that's that's why it's not. And then they want to push it back another full week, I guess. So, uh, yeah, that that Champions Classic that, you know, with Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and Michigan State is not till next Tuesday. But uh, this is opening night. Most I think most every team is in action. Uh, Not a ton of great games, but uh, Michigan will host uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. Uh, You know, they're two touchdown favorites. Um, It is. Uh, so Fort Wayne's a, a decent team. The Mastodons, I always like unique mascots. They're the only one in Division One. Um, supposed to come to Chrysler last year, had a COVID issue and didn't, but uh, they will this year, and we'll uh, we'll start the twenty two twenty three season. Yeah, it always sneaks up on me because we're like in the middle of football and like come up, again, typically coming off a game, and it's like, oh wow, college basketball's already here. I know they play an exhibition game, but. Uh, the fact that the real games are here, it's uh, and they got some you know high profile games like you said coming up, and they played LCA what Friday against Monty Bates and EMU. So there's actually going to be quite a bit to discuss here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that don't you know fully pay attention until until football is done, at least until the regular season of football is done. Um, but yeah, there are some there are some interesting games before that for sure. Uh, you know, the opener tonight, uh, yes, Eastern Michigan next Friday. Go to New York for, you know, against some power five teams uh, next week. Um, Virginia comes to Chrysler. The Michigan-Kentucky game in London is the day after the Big Ten championship in football. So, uh, yeah, some some interesting games for Michigan coming up. The women open uh, Wednesday um, against uh, Delaware State. So, like I said, their non-conference is not particularly uh, challenging this year, at least the home game. Do we have time for a quick hockey update? Of course we do, Zook. I would expect nothing less. Of course we do. Give us. Give it to us. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so finally you got um, Friday's Friday night's Big Ten opener against Penn State was on Big Ten Network, so I was able to catch that game and obviously heard a lot about how uh, well this this Michigan team has been playing with a lot of new faces and and a new coach, and uh, we spoke about it on the last podcast. But, boy, were they absolutely awful on Friday night. Uh, I mean, really dominated from the puck drop. Um, their their starting goalie wasn't available, so they turned to Noah West, who was on the team last year but didn't make one single start. They had Eric Portillo start every game last year. So it's like, oh, boy, I mean, Michigan better play well in front of them. Uh, they absolutely did not. Um, I think got outshot like 40-something to 17. Uh, I mean, Michigan really – I mean, Penn State broke the puck out with ease. Um, they were constantly on the attack. Michigan was basically one and done on, on all the rushes. And I mean, it was final three, nothing, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, and then sure enough, Saturday night, the game wasn't on TV, but I was following along while uh, the Rutgers 
game and it's like, oh, Michigan gets up three to nothing late in the second period. You think they're all right, they're gonna easily earn their sweep or the, earn the split and um and to, to open big ten play. And all of a sudden in the last nine minutes, uh in a basically a four minute span, Penn State scores three goals to tie it up. Um, but then uh, Adam Fantilli, the the star freshman for Michigan for the Michigan Wolverines, scores a kind of a, a nifty overtime winner to to get that split. And and Michigan will they're not they will be on the road at Notre Dame again next weekend. But big big to get those uh, points to to begin Big Ten play. You don't want to get swept um, to to start Big Ten play. So definitely needed a, a big performance there from from Adam Fantilli, who leads the country with twenty points in nine games. But yeah, it would have been disastrous to to blow that three goal lead and then lose to get swept. It would have been a long long bus ride home. So yeah, good. Good weekend for hockey, uh, basketball. Uh, I was I was losing my voice there uh, at the end, but let me get back to just saying that it the exhibition games went very well for both uh, both squads. Uh, the women got just balanced scoring up and down the board as they look to replace Nas Hillman. The men, you're wondering, okay, who, how would that kind of shooting guard, small forward, what what would they get from their wings this year? Freshman Jet Howard pours in thirty. Kobe Bufkin twenty one. They were both pretty much just on fire from from the outside. So inferior competition, no doubt, not Division One competition, but uh, you know exactly what you wanted to see in, ex- in an exhibition. And now, now the real games begin. So we will have uh, full coverage of those uh, on MLive.com/slash Wolverines and another episode later this week. Thanks for listening.